0: We are a community that loves like Jesus and my prayer for you is that this moment would be a transformative space for you, not just today, but every time that you tune in with us. Today we are continuing our sermon series on the best stories ever and I'm going to read for you Genesis 22, starting in verse 1 all the way through to verse 19. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and pull out that device or that Bible right now to Genesis 22. It says, after these events, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. Abraham answered, I'm here. God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him up as an entirely burned offering there on one of the mountains that I will show you. Abraham got up early in the morning, harnessed his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, together with his son Isaac. He split the wood for the entirely burned offering, set out, and went to the place God had described to him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place at a distance. Abraham said to his servants, stay here with the donkey, and the boy and I will walk up there and worship, and then come back to you. In verse 6, Abraham took the wood for the entirely burned offering and laid it on his son Isaac. He took the fire and the knife in his hand, and the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, Abraham, then said, I'm here, my son. Isaac said, Here is the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the entirely burned offering? Quite perceptive son. Abraham said, The lamb for the entirely burned offering? God will see to it, my son. And the two of them walked on together. They arrived at the place God had described to him, and Abraham built an off- altar there and arranged the wood on it. He tied up his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then, Isaac, then Abraham rather stretched out his hand and took the knife to kill his son as the sacrifice. But the Lord's messenger called out to Abraham from heaven, Abraham! "'Abraham!' And then Abraham said, "'I'm here.' The messenger said, "'Don't stretch out your hand against the young man, and don't do anything to him. I know now that you revere God, and didn't hold back your son, your only son, from me.' Abraham looked up and saw a single ram caught by its horns in the dense underbrush. Abraham went over, took the ram, and offered it as an entirely burned offering instead of his son." Abraham named that place the Lord Sees, and that is the reason why people say today, on this mountain the Lord is seen. The Lord's messenger called out to Abraham from the from heaven a second time and said, "I give you my word as the Lord that because you did not did that you did that you did this and didn't hold back your son, your only son, I will bless you richly and I will give you countless descendants." as many as the stars in the sky and as the grains of sand on the seashore. They will conquer their enemy cities. All the nations of the earth will be blessed because of your descendants, because you obeyed me. After Abraham returned to the young men, they got up and went to Beersheba, where Abraham lived." Abraham is one of the greatest examples of faith that you will ever find, especially all through Scripture, but really all of history. And today we're going to be talking and taking a look at how faith can be made real in our lives, looking at this character in the Bible named Abraham as our example. So Abraham is a historical figure that became what is considered the father of the Hebrew nation, that through his lineage Israel was born, And the Old Testament basically is written about his descendants. So Abraham's call and his call up the mountain and also just his call on his life is an example of how we are to follow and trust in God's result and his intervention in our life. So God moved Abraham to that new land, moved him out of his old land, wanted him to go to a new place and how in both leaving for the promised land And living the promised land, he did express faith. It's an example for us how we can leave for God's promises in our lives, and then we have to live within God's promises in our lives as well. So in the spiritual hero section of Hebrews in chapter 11, the book of Hebrews, Paul does a great job in summarizing the life of Abraham. So in verse 8, it says this, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go out to a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out without knowing where he was going. First notation, by faith, he lived in the land he had been promised as a stranger. He lived in tents along with Isaac and Jacob, who were co-heirs of the same promise. He was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So verse 11, by faith, even Sarah received the ability to have a child, though she herself was barren and past the age of having children, because she believed that the one who promised was faithful. So descendants were born from one man, and he was as good as dead. They were as many as the number of the stars in the sky and as countless as the grains of sand on the seashore. All these people died in faith without receiving the promises, but they saw the promise from a distance and welcomed them. They confessed that they were strangers and immigrants on earth, and people who say this kind of thing make it clear that they are looking for a homeland." If they had been thinking about the country that they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return to it. But at this point in time, they are longing for a better country, that is, a heavenly one. So therefore, God isn't ashamed to be called their God. He he has prepared a city for them. And by faith, Abraham offered Isaac when he was tested. The one who received the promises was offering his only son, He had been told concerning him, your legitimate descendants will come from Isaac. And he figured that God could even raise him from the dead. So in a way, he did receive him back from the dead. So that is the story that we're talking about today. And we're talking through a few aspects of Abraham's life that marks him as a person who is remembered for being faithful. And the son who came and all the things built around that idea of Isaac and the sacrifice and the faith of Abraham, it all plays out in Abraham's faith, and we can translate that into our lives and our defining moments, just as Abraham had defining moments, we also have defining moments that exercise our faith in life. So thinking about defining moments in our life, what are those defining moments for you and me? Well, I would say something like getting your first career could be a defining moment, not necessarily your first job, but your first like adult career, that could be a defining moment for you. Getting married, that definitely can be a defining moment for you. Something negative, getting fired, getting fired from the career that you so had wished for and got educated for. That could be a defining moment for you. Your children, your children being born, your children during stages of of their lives, which stages of your life as well, those can be defining moments. So whether positive or negative experiences, certain experiences define our lives. They're defining in our life and they definitely can define our faith. So we're going to take a look at how to manage those defining moments in our life. And today we're going to look at some of those moments, those mountaintop experiences where you decide which way to go. You make a decision, you start out into a direction, and that defined you sometimes for the rest of your life. And Abraham had those. And we had the same defining moments just like Abraham had. Maybe not the same experiences, I hope not. Not within the same circumstances, but the same kind of moments. So there's two moments in the life of Abraham that definitely define him. And they have to do with the same people, his his sons. So his greatest dream was to have a kid, a boy. And his greatest challenge was the chance of losing this son. So both responses that we're going to talk about today and both of Abraham's responses and all of our responses when dealing with our greatest dreams and challenges we need to respond with the idea of trust. So that's the question that we're going to answer is the trust question. How do we really trust God? Do we trust God with the greatest dreams, goals, and hopes that we have in our life? So our greatest dream, the first defining moment that all of us are going to face is when we come face to face with our greatest dream. What is that for you? Do you have a greatest dream? How do you handle your greatest dream Definitely is a defining moment for, for everyone around you, really, many times. So whether you hang with it and hang on to it or let it go, whatever your greatest dream is, or you develop a new one, whether you chase that new one, whether you depend on God for that new, new dream, that's an exercise of faith. That proves our faith. That shows our faith to the world around us. And it was Abraham's greatest dream to have a son. And this was a defining moment in his life. Now we know the conclusion of this. And if we read scripture, we know what happened in the long story. But in Hebrews 11, 11 through 12, it says this simply, by faith even Sarah received the ability to have a child, though she herself was barren and past the age of having children, because she believed that the one who promised was faithful. So descendants were born from one man, and he was as good as dead. They were as many as the number of the stars in the sky, and as countless as the grains of sand on the seashore. So in order to handle our greatest dream, we also need to be able to handle trusting God. And I look at Sarah, and I look at her life, and she has this dream, she has this thought that these descendants would be there through the son of Abraham, and that was also her greatest dream. That was Abraham's greatest dream. That, those words empowered them. They considered them in their decisions. They considered them, as God was faithful, that they were going to be faithful as well. So the first is a smaller story, which is located in Genesis 16. This is the first example of what not to do. And the story of Ishmael is a very important story in talking about taking your future in your own hands and taking control of your world around you. So Ishmael uh, is basically the story of, all will just go out and do it myself. And we're better at this anyway, and we're, okay, God, it's not coming in my time so I'm going to work it out like this how I want and I'm going to help you out God really I'm going to go and get it myself and I'm going to force the miracle to happen so Abraham and Sarah come up with this very unique kind of strange to us plan and Sarah said I have a servant girl named Hagar and Abraham why don't you go sleep with her get her pregnant since I can't become pregnant why don't you go see if you can get her pregnant And guess what? She did. And Abraham basically said, Look, God, it's the son that was promised. We did this. And just like we do sometimes, that is an extreme illustration, and so I hope that none of us are thinking about doing this exactly. But we figure out some way to get God's promises ourselves ahead of schedule. And we think that that's success. And then we bring it back to God proudly, and we say, look, God, look at what I did for you. And God says to us at that moment, no, 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 I want to do this for you. And that's what the promise is all about. So the Ishmael kind of faith is the Home Depot, what I'll call the Home Depot faith. It's the do-it-yourself, the DIY faith you go down, you get the plywood, you get the nails, you give everything that you need, you get the brackets, you get all the hardware, you put it in your truck, you bring it back home, you get it out, you build it yourself, and you get it all done, and you look at God, and you say, look at what God did. And that doesn't even make sense. But that's what happened to Abraham and Sarah is they had Ishmael, and they say, look, look at what God did. And it didn't make sense to God either. So, The longer story is about letting God take the reins and being in control of the situation, which then threatens my security and my long-range goal planning and all that I have, my dot and tittle all lined up in my life and every single hour of my day. I don't know if you've ever been through your day, but it, it it just seems like that if you plan a day, not everything that you plan gets done. And I think that that's an example of our life that not everything that we get planned is going to get done in our timing. And so we need to have an Isaac kind of faith. And this is the example of the choice to trust in God. When faced with our greatest dream, our greatest goal, our greatest horizon, what is, what is the equinox, Right? I'll choose to trust in God. That's the Isaac kind of faith. So I'll choose to, tr- to say even that I'll trust in God. So I'll trust God in what he wants to do versus what I want to do. So faith is to believe what we do not see, and the reward of faith is to see what we do not believe. So our faith reward is, is to actually witness what we didn't believe could happen in the first place. And this is what happened to Abraham and Sarah with Isaac. They believed that they, they couldn't do this, that a son would not be born, and then they saw the son be born. And that is the reward of that kind of faith. And so that greatest dream is realized in, in this person, this boy, Isaac. In Genesis 21, 1 through 2, The Lord was attentive to Sarah, just as he had said, and the Lord carried out just what he had promised her. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son for Abraham when he was very old, at the very time God had told him. And so that's a very important idea right there that we need to step back in an Isaac kind of faith. We need to step back and take. A little breather and wait for the Lord's timing. It's, it's always longer, it seems, and we want things to happen faster. I get it, and we're impatient people, but there is something to the waiting. There is something to the promise that makes it more of a reward in the waiting, and I know that sounds very cliche, but there is some truth to that, that when we wait, sometimes we can do a lot of self-work until the promise comes. So just remember this that promises always come by grace. The Lord was very gracious to Sarah. He had grace upon upon this family. So promises always come by grace. I mean, could you imagine having a child at a very, very old age like they did that only could happen by grace? But promises always come on time. At the exact time, it says, that God promised. Not my time, not my impatient time, not by tap, tap, tap. Hey, what time is it time? Time to get her done, right? No, it's at the exact time he promised. But then also, promises always come with joy. And that's why Isaac was named laughter. Laughter. And so we have these dreams, we have these goals, we have these hopes, and we can have an, an Ishmael kind of response where we just force it to happen and then all the glory goes to me and I'm a broken person, therefore my greatest dream is gonna be broken. Or I can have a Isaac kind of faith where my greatest dream, goal, and hope in life is exercised like, and my faith in that, that that's gonna happen and God's, gonna, God's promises are gonna come true for my life. That I can have an Isaac kind of faith and have joy and have peace and I can learn patience and I can actually just have the reward of, of faith. But in our and the the hard part about receiving and experiencing the great dreams of our life is great dreams do not come without great challenges. Great dreams come with, the greatest dreams come with the greatest challenges. And so the second part of the story is Abraham, and I hope that no one has to deal with this, but Abraham is dealing with a great ordeal. And we have to deal metaphorically with it, the same kind of thing that we're actually sacrificing our greatest dreams. And so how do we handle our greatest dreams? That's a response we need to exercise faith. But how do we handle our greatest challenges in those greatest dreams? I think that it, that we need to, again, exercise a great sense of faith. And so your greatest challenge in life turned out to be wrapped right in the same blanket as Abraham's greatest dream. Abraham's greatest dream became his greatest challenge. And that's some hardship that he had to deal with at that moment. And so Genesis 21.1 says, after these events, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. So God tested Abraham. And God tests us. And those tests are the ones, those, are, those benefit us. They're not for God, they're for us. And so here's the challenge. In verse 2, it says, God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, go to the land of Moriah, offer him up as an entirely burned offering there on one of the mountains that I will Show you. Well, I would have to say that if God just audibly spoke to me and said I needed to sacrifice one of my kids, I would have a problem with that. Um, I don't know even what to do with that when I read the story of Abraham and Isaac in this mountain scene. I don't even know what to do with this, with this story besides just learn what, what are my responses in faith when God calls me to face some of the greatest challenges. And so Abraham, what's amazing about this story is first, Abraham followed God immediately. Immediately he followed God. So Genesis 22, three, Abraham got up early in the morning, harnessed his donkey and took two of his young men with him. Together with his son, Isaac, he split the wood for the entirely burned offering, set out and went to the place that God had described him to go. Well, I would have probably taken a couple of weeks. You know, I would have gotten my journal out and put on the left page pros and put on the right page cons and we would have listed out one right after the other. What's good about this? What's bad about this? Weighing both sides of the page. I mean, don't we do that normally, you know, where we weigh the good and the bad of some decision that we're making? Especially if the decision blatantly looks wrong. So he immediately, he got up this next morning. I mean, honestly, for this three-day journey, he just gets up and leaves. I, I, I don't know what you would be thinking on this three-day three journey, but there would be some thoughts and some questions about what I was doing. Can I do this? Number one, am I even like, mentally capable of handling this moment? I mean, what is going on here? Do I have the strength to go through this incredible challenge that God has brought in my life? What would Sarah say? What would Amanda say if all of a sudden I woke up from this voice and I'm just now on to this next next challenge? And so, so he immediately, though, he followed. And so if we use this as a metaphor, in God's in, God's, in, in the kind of faith that God wants us to have, when the challenges come, we are to immediately follow God's voice. We're to immediately do the next right thing in faith. But then also he plans. So not only did he follow, he planned in, in 22.6, Abraham took the wood for the entirely burned offering, laid it on his son Isaac. He took the fire and the knife in his hands, and the two of them walked together. And Isaac said to his father, my father, I'm here, my son, he says, and here's the fire and there's the wood, but where's the lamb? Isaac said, where's the lamb? So obviously Isaac knew that his dad was a planner. His dad was a planner because Isaac, in his age, saw through that hole and he went, wait a minute, we have every single item we need except that lamb, right? So he planned on doing what God had told him to do and he just planned for it. And so when the greatest challenges come, we need to follow, we need to plan, but then we need to trust And that's that third key that I want to give us in this story of having that Isaac kind of faith is we need to trust. We need to trust. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place at a distance. What I find really interesting about this passage is in this verse four, uh, it says they had a three-day journey. They had a three-day journey. Three days is pretty, that number three, but three days is pretty significant in all of Scripture. I mean, it's significant in the life of Isaac, right, in this story. And it's also significant in the life of Jesus. So they left on a three-day journey. They packed this animal and they packed uh, people with them and they went up this mountain and the journey was three three days. And Jesus was in the tomb. He was in his grave for three days. And so if you think about the two as just significant ideas, that, that there's a three-day journey. Isaac is walking to his eternal death. And in the tomb, Jesus is headed for eternity as well. And so on the third day, Jesus resurrects, and also on the third day, Isaac is saved. And so the three days, the three days is the metaphor, the idea, and the significance, the significance that within those three days, it's the pause and the trust for God's divine intervention in our life. And just as they waited for the animal to appear in Genesis, and they waited for the stone to roll away with Jesus, and just like we need to wait for God to intervene and show up in his divine plan, in our challenges and our dreams, hopes, goals, but also our fears, our faith in all of that can be like Abraham, and God will show up, and he will save and roll away your stone and you will live that new life that he promises you. And that's why this story is the best story ever. And so let's take communion with that in mind. Jesus sat around a table and he said, do this in remembrance of me. I'm coming out of that tomb and you're going to heaven and we'll be there for eternity forever. And that's my promise. He says, this is my body, which is that pathway for it. This is my blood, which is that promise for it. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. God, thank you for this story of faith. Lord, as much as we struggle having faith or being patient with your promise in the waiting, or even knowing what we are supposed to do or what you want us to do in life, or what our greatest dreams and hopes and goals are even supposed to be. Lord, help us to have the kind of faith that Abraham displays, Lord, with his son Isaac. Lord, help us to follow, help us to plan, help us to trust that you have a plan. And Lord, help us to sit in that waiting in that hopeful waiting, Lord, that you will divinely show up just at the right time and fulfill what you said and you promised in our lives. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.